Hello and welcome to episode two of the podcast for the blog Down Syndrome Prenatal Testing. I'm the author of the blog and host, Mark Leach. Thank you for tuning in. On this broadcast, we will be discussing why Down Syndrome is called Down Syndrome. For most parents, when they receive the news, either through a prenatal or a postnatal test, result that their child is expected or definitively has Down syndrome. For most parents, the question is, well, what exactly is Down syndrome? We will cover the characteristics and et cetera of Down syndrome in a future podcast. But for this one, it's to discuss why the condition is called Down syndrome. For most folks, They do not have an experience with an individual with Down syndrome. Most people are not clinically trained or professionals or educators or relatives or neighbors, and that's only because Down syndrome is a fairly rare condition, generally speaking. It's estimated that I believe only around 200,000 people in the United States are currently living with the condition Down syndrome. And therefore, there's a big question as to why it's even called Down syndrome. When I was growing up, I had limited exposure to individuals with Down syndrome. I spoke a little bit about that in episode one. But I was familiar with the name of the condition. And I think increasingly um, people are aware of the name of the condition and largely due to pop culture references. I was a child of the 70s, meaning I grew up in the late 70s and 80s. And... Even at that time, it was often the case that there would be a character that would be either a minor character or in the case of the ABC um, drama slash comedy, Life Goes On, had a starring role for an individual with Down syndrome. That has continued uh, with even greater frequency, it seems, in the more recent years, beginning with Glee and then the same producers of Glee have included an individual with Down syndrome in their other projects, notably American Horror Story. And then there was the A&E reality show um, that also featured a whole cast of individuals with um, Down syndrome that was very well received and renewed for a second season. So most folks are familiar, even if they don't encounter an individual with Down syndrome in their everyday life, with seeing a person with a condition that they are aware of is called Down syndrome. But then what do they think as to why the condition is called that? In my case, and I think that my case is not uh, the exception, but I think is one that many people often have, is I took it as a descriptive uh, name, meaning that here is an individual that has... um, intellectual disability. In the era that I grew up in, it was commonly referred to as mental retardation. It's also an individual that has a look about them physically that is generally not in an athletic um, physique, and that is due to a, a characteristic associated with Down syndrome called hypotonality, but of course most people don't know that. They just know that the, the shape of the person. So you're taking an individual that has 
a quote-unquote lower mental uh, capability or uh, functionality, as well as a person that has lower physical functionality than is experienced by most other people that you come into contact with. And so the term down is considered or uh, connoted with uh, being a descriptive, that this person has a syndrome that is described as being lower than, down from, what most other people experience life as. Um, perhaps I'm in the exception or, or have that um, misunderstanding of mine is one that is not shared commonly, but I think that it actually is, it seems. And even if it isn't, even if someone is familiar with the entomology of the name of the condition, no doubt just the word down and the word syndrome do have, are connoted with, um, you know, pejoratives, down, lower, syndrome, something to avoid. You think of in public, in a pop, pop culture, it is rarely the case when something is described as a syndrome as being something that is desired to have. Um, there was the movie The China Syndrome, which was about a nuclear meltdown. There was uh, the famous case of Patty Hearst, who was abducted and then um, became, uh, it seemed, willingly a co-conspirator with her abductors uh, that then brought a lot of attention to the psychological uh, description of Stockholm Syndrome, where the captor identifies with, or the captive uh, identifies with their captor. And so... It's not something that you, you want to have, and no doubt that is why in the Pixar movie Incredibles, the villain in that movie is called Syndrome. Uh, typically, villains are not described with desirous names or terms. Instead, it's something to strike fear into others. And that is what the name of the antagonist is in that movie. And then, of course, uh, Down, as I already covered, is something that is by its very nature, considered lower than, less than. You know, everybody wants to be up. I'm pretty sure that Jerry Seinfeld has, uh, he does, he has a bit about how, you know, everybody wants to be up, what's up, what's, uh, but with adults addressing children, it's always down. Sit down, stay down, quiet down. So down has a negative connotation to it. And I believe that this name of what this condition is called then contributes to the almost, uh, not even almost, uh, the definitively subconscious feeling of not wanting that syndrome, not uh, being something that is not desired, being something that is other, and not just other as in odd and unique and possibly fantastical, but rather something that is other that... Um, you don't want to have, you don't want your loved ones to have. And then you find out, if you're a new and expectant parent, that your child has this condition that is something that, by its very name, you reflexively want to avoid. So let's address, then, where the name really comes from um, in the hopes that as more people know the true origin of the name, perhaps it will overcome that stigma or at least minimize the stigma. I will say that um, now, having had a daughter that is entering her teenage years, uh, 
we have lived with her condition being referred to for as Down syndrome her whole life, and it's something that we really don't even uh, think twice about. It's it's just what the condition is, and that's what it's called, and therefore we don't have like a negative connotation to it or a positive connotation to it. It's just like I, I happen to have male pattern baldness. You know, I'm sure that some people would have a negative connotation with that. However, you know, I live my life as a bald man. And it's not something that I really fixate on or feel stigmatized for um, of my own thinking of myself. And the same goes for our, our child and, our, and our, her many friends and our friends that have children with Down syndrome. It's just a term describing the condition that they have. So that's where we have gotten to. Now, partly it was because it was explained to us that it's actually named, the condition is named after a doctor. Um, in the 1800s, in the mid-1800s, there was a doctor who was um, the, he, he ran a, uh, what was called at the time, the Royal Earlswood Asylum for Idiots, because at that time idiots was a medical term. It wasn't a pejorative or a insult it just described individuals that had intellectual disability. And so he um, first described the condition. I will read to you from the famous paper in which he uh, first described the characteristics associated uh, with this condition that would become known as Down syndrome. At the time, he referred to it as the Mongolian type of idiocy occurs in more than 10% of the cases which are presented to me. They are always congenital idiots and never result from accidents after uterine life. They are, for the most part, instances of degeneracy arising from tuberculosis in the parents. They have considerable powers of imitation, even bordering on being mimics. They are humorous, and a lively sense of the ridiculous often colors their mimicry. This faculty of imitation can be cultivated to a very great extent and a practical direction given to the results obtained. They are usually able to speak. The speech is thick and indistinct, but may be improved very greatly by a well-directed scheme of tongue gymnastics. The coordinating faculty is abnormal, but not so defective that it cannot be strengthened. By systematic training, considerable manipulative power may be obtained." End of quotation of that paper. So this is how, uh, this was the paper from which the condition that came to be known as Down syndrome was first described, and it was first described as that quote that I just read begins, it became uh, referred to in the medical texts and in the common uh, references and culture as Mongolian idiocy. The reason, as uh, you heard, was because, um, well, actually it wasn't in that section, but I can, um, it, it, it later in the same paper, the physician uh, explained that why he termed it Mongolian idiocy is because of the characteristics, the physical characteristics associated with Down syndrome. The individuals looked as though they were from, um, in our time we would say, of an Asian ethnicity. Uh, at that time he specifically referred to them as being, uh, looking as though they were from Mongolia, hence Mongolian. And in that time uh, when Darwin's theory of evolution was uh, new and therefore at the forefront of thought. Um, this physician even theorized that the individuals that had the condition he was describing represented an evolution st uh, regression, meaning that uh, whereas 
the theory of evolution is is that the strongest survive and uh, survival of the fittest, and therefore you are, uh, as the theory goes, at least increasing the physical and mental capabilities with each evolutionary stage because these individuals had a uh, intellectual disability and a physical uh, less than uh, full functionality, um, then that represented an evolutionary regression. And so that was what the term was called because of this paper that was published in the mid-1800s describing what would from that point on until the name was changed to Down syndrome be referred to as Mongolian idiocy. Well, in the 19, late 1950s, fast forward 100 years then, uh, there was another physician named um, Dr. Jerome Lejeune, a uh, French physician, and he was the one that first identified in a paper that was uh, published in 1959 that there was an extra chromosome present in those individuals that at that time had been referred to as Mongolian idiots. So he found a genetic basis. And then it was further refined to even specify what chromosome that was, which is the 21st chromosome. What causes the genetic cause or basis for Down syndrome is the presence of a third copy of the 21st chromosome. Genetics 101, um, the human, uh, most human beings have 46 uh, chromosomes which are uh, paired up with each other, so they're 23 pairs. So most individuals, most human beings have two uh, chromosomes, number 21. For those individuals with Down syndrome, they have an additional, a third uh, 21st chromosome. And so uh, Dr. Lejeune was the first one to identify the presence of an extra chromosome. And so in 1960, let me get to the right quote here. Yes, two years later in the medical journal Lancet, there was a letter from geneticists calling for a renaming of the condition, and I'll read this quote at length as well. It has long been recognized that the terms Mongolian idiocy, Mongolism, Mongoloid, etc., as applied to a specific type of mental deficiency, have misleading connotations. The importance of this anomaly among Europeans and their descendants is not related to the segregation of genes derived from Asians. Its appearance, from, its appearance among members of Asian populations suggests that such ambiguous designations as Mongol, Mongoloid, increasing participation of Chinese and Japanese in investigating, investigation of the condition imposes on them the use of an embarrassing term. We urge, therefore, that the expressions which imply a racial aspect of the condition be no longer used. Some of the undersigned are inclined to replace the term Mongolism by such designations as Langdon Down Anomaly, or Down Syndrome or Anomaly, or Congenital Acromicrea. Several of us believe that this is an appropriate time to introduce the term Trisomy 21 Anomaly, which would include cases of simple trisomy as well as translocations. It is hoped that agreement on a specific phrase will soon crystallize once the term Mongolism has been abandoned. End of that quote from the letter in the Lancet from 1961. Now I find it interesting that the prompt for this call by geneticists for renaming the name used at that time of Mongolian idiocy or mongoloid is because they recognized that words have connotations. Words have meanings beyond just their literal meanings. 
they have associations with them. And referring to another person as a mongoloid idiot, obviously at that by that point had become one that had a negative connotation. And as they explain is there are children that are born of Asian descent and there are researchers that are researching the genetics that are of Asian descent, Chinese and Japanese. And when they would have to publish their findings, they would, and the parents would have to refer to their own child as a Mongolian idiot, even if they had been from Japan or China or some other Asian country. Uh, almost suggesting to the listener that, oh, this child of mine is not Chinese or Japanese as my ethnicity is. They are a Mongolian idiot. Somehow they are Mongolian by their birth. And so the geneticists are recognizing that these words need to be updated and revised because of the negative connotation that they have with them. What was the name that they settled upon then? The editor then chose to honor that physician that I spoke of earlier who ran the asylum for idiots, who had first described the condition in a publication by doing what is often done in medical conditions is honoring the first discoverer's uh, last name by naming the condition after that. And so that physician's name was John Langdon Down, D-O-W-N. And that is why it is now referred to as Down syndrome, because a physician who ran an asylum that had these in, had a population of individuals with what would then become named after him, Down syndrome, he first described those characteristics, and then 100 years later, a medical journal said, we need to change the name from what was referred to based on his, that physician's writings of Mongolian idiocy. Let's honor him and call it Down syndrome. Now, there are um, several good websites out there about John Langdon Down, um, his home, and I believe the original um, asylum is preserved by a trust and has a very good website that explains more in detail about the good and compassionate works of Dr. Down. You know, at this time, why are those individuals in an asylum? Because they were given up by their families or society or nobody was to take care of. And, you know, this is in the mid-1800s when medicine um, was still making uh, leaps and bounds progresses and were still fairly... Uh, barbaric in certain situations. You think of how medical care was for during the Civil War of just amputating limbs. So this is in a very, to put it bluntly, a rough period of time, and yet here is this doctor that is taking care of these individuals and is doing so um, in a very compassionate way. While he has some medical, clinical view of, uh, of how he describes them in that quote that I read, one of the more, even a smaller snippet of that same quote that is often uh, quoted by everyone that writes about Down syndrome is to talk about how from the very beginning, Dr. Down noticed that they have considerable powers of imitation, even bordering on being mimics. They are humorous and a lively sense of the ridiculous often colors their mimicry. He is recognizing them as uh, fellow humans, and that was a step forward in that time. And so, to name the condition after him is something that is done regularly with uh, many other conditions, though in more recent years um, there has become a criticism of naming conditions after the discoverer of that condition because it, it's not as though medical objective facts should be named just because of the first person that sees them, but 
It's it's how it's done throughout science. It's how planets are named and stars are named and animals are named, um, as well as medical conditions. Although there's increasingly a move away from that. But I have to th wonder if the condition would have been treated differently over the last now um, 70 years, uh, 60 years, since the name was set upon for um, Down syndrome, if they instead had called it called it after the uh, researcher that found the genetic basis for the condition, Dr. Lejeune. What if it had been referred to as Lejeune syndrome? I doubt that anybody would have a negative connotation for that except for those folks that for some reason just don't like the French. Um, instead, I think it would serve the purpose of prompting the question of, well, what is Lejeune syndrome? Because I have nothing to associate that with. I don't connote it with anything. Uh, the word Lejeune is so unique that I don't use it otherwise in my regular language or hear it used, and therefore it would prompt the investigation, as should be had, into finding out what does this really mean? What does this mean for my child or my loved one or my friend who happened to have a child with Down syndrome? But instead, by using, by just the odd coincidence that the first physician that described the condition happened to have the last name of Down, well then, now it's called Down syndrome, and we are hardwired to just believe that it has something negative about it because of our understanding of language with the word down. Not Dr. John Langdon down. Most people don't even know who he is. Just the word down. I, I also wonder if things had been different if in that same section from The Lancet that I mentioned, if they had just gone with the true genetic basis for the condition. That is the thing that seems a little bit uh, frustrating for me is that they had this moment in time in 1960s when they were going to rename the condition out of a concern for how the language used in describing the condition affected the perception of those with the condition. Why couldn't they have just gone with what they already knew by that time, which was trisomy 21? They even referred to it in the Lancet article calling for different names. Call it trisomy 21 anomaly. There are two other major trisomies, meaning trisomies that are commonly tested for and commonly, commonly enough to, in the sense that they survive childhood, that there are individuals that live with these conditions, that are called trisomy 13 and trisomy 18. Now, that's, that wasn't the first name for those conditions. The first chosen name to this, for those conditions was for the researcher that first identified the condition, Patel syndrome in the case of trisomy 13, Edwards syndrome in the case of trisomy 18. And it may be still used by some in the community of those uh, communities for trisomy 13 and 18, depending on their generation of when they entered it, where they may still refer to it as Patel syndrome or Edwards syndrome. But in the scholarly writings on prenatal testing of what conditions can be tested for, it is the norm to see that prenatal genetic testing identifies major trisomies such as Down syndrome, trisomy 18, and trisomy 13. Now, why is that? It's because uh, Edwards and Patel syndromes are still even more rare than Down syndrome, and therefore they just refer to it by its scientific basis. But because Down syndrome occurs commonly enough and has been referred to as Down syndrome for all these decades, 
then that's why it's the norm to refer to it as Down syndrome versus trisomy 21. So that's the origin for why Down syndrome is called Down syndrome. To wrap up here, as I said, for me and my family, um, we've known of our daughter having this condition for many years as just referring to it as Down syndrome and having others refer to it as Down syndrome and being involved in organizations that have Down syndrome in the name and going to conferences that are held for uh, those with Down syndrome and their families. So it's become a term that just is a term. It doesn't have any value-laden basis for us any longer. <coughs> and that is why, apologize for that, um, that is why for uh, probably most of this podcast, you will continue to hear me refer to it as Down syndrome. It's why my blog is titled as Down syndrome prenatal testing, because it's just a term to me now, because I've become so familiar with it and it's been destigmatized for me. If I were a ardent advocate, perhaps maybe I would try to change my own language and just refer to it as trisomy 21. Uh, as much as I would love to honor uh, Dr. Lejeune by referring to it as Lejeune syndrome, if they're going to call trisomy 13 and trisomy 18, trisomy 13 and trisomy 18, well then let's call Down syndrome trisomy 21. But I have found that that can cause confusion in this era because most people know about the condition Down syndrome, or at least that it's called Down syndrome. And therefore, by referring to it by a different name, it actually impedes the conversation, then facilitates it. If you look back at uh, other writings in an analogous sense through the civil rights um, measures, you will see what is now considered outdated terminology for uh, those that are now termed African-American or black. I mean, even one of their national organizations is the National, uh, the national Association of Colored People. And that is a term that has long been out of use and is now considered um, typically racist if you've heard someone refer to someone who is African-American or black as colored. Yet, their national organization retains that in its name. Um, you listen back to the speeches of Dr. Martin Luther King, and he regularly refers to his common citizens of color as Negroes because that was the commonly polite accepted term at that time. Which, again, now if you were to say Negro again, it would be very, uh, <laughs> uh, it'd have quite an impact and not a positive one. And therefore, that's what I hope maybe in the future as those folks look back on the blog and maybe listen to this podcast, if I may be so bold as to believe that anybody would do that years hence from now, that they will instead just understand that I'm using the terminology that is used in my era because it actually facilitates conversation and then in the next phase, perhaps we will then move to referring to, to the condition as what I believe it truly should be referred to as, which is trisomy 21. If you have questions, you can contact me via my blog. There is a, a contact page there which instructs you how you can contact. And I hope that you've enjoyed listening. Until next time, this is Mark Leach signing off.